Hey, welcome to another episode of the Stop the Thing podcast. So, in this episode, I promised you guys some solutions to our tax and healthcare problems. Whether or not I can deliver, we're just about to find out. Because I haven't really spent too much time thinking about this, except for the aggregate amount of time that I spent thinking about it over the whole entire course of my life. So, it's maybe a couple of hours, perhaps. But, um... For the sake of continuity, let's continue with the healthcare topic first because that's still fresh in my mind. So, what are some solutions to our healthcare problems? How could we fix the system to make things cheaper and better overall? What's what's the what's the solution? Well, one solution and perhaps our most promising solution would be figuring out a way to open things up to basically more of a marketplace type setting. So now with healthcare, obviously a lot of stuff isn't like something you can shop around for. For instance, if you have a broken arm, you kind of got to go get that dealt with. Like that's not something you can put off until you can find the hospital with the lowest price. But one such thing that would be a potential step in the right direction is like requiring hospitals to post prices for their services. Because what that would do is it would basically allow you, the discerning customer, to kind of work with your insurance company to find the hospital that's going to give you the best deal on the services that you need. So for instance, um, let's take our MRI example that we just talked about. So that an MRI apparently costs like $2,600 a pop, right? Well, if you're going to get a shot and it's going to cost you 50 bucks, you'll probably look around in your local town for places that I'll give you a shot. And like, if you, if you see a shot, it's going to cost you 30 bucks across town versus 50 bucks in the place that's across the street. You might pay the 50 bucks and just go across the street because it's easier, right? It's just 20 bucks different. And maybe the time to drive across town isn't worth that. But let's say for instance, that um, you're getting an MRI now. And the MRI machine in your local city is going to cost you $6,000 to get your MRI scan, right? Well, usually if you're getting an MRI, it's not necessarily a life or death situation. It can certainly be, but most of the time it isn't. Most of the time it's diagnostic for like, well, skeletal muscular issues, cancer, blood flow problems, all sorts of things. But basically it's possible to have a condition that requires an MRI that isn't life or death to the point at which you could shop around for it. Well, if the MRI in your local city is going to cost you six grand to get scanned, but a city that we'll say, we'll say 10,000 miles away, 
that that's excessive. That doesn't make sense. We'll say a city that's a thousand miles away, like in North Dakota. So let's say you're from Los Angeles, right? And MRI scan in Los Angeles is going to cost you six grand. Well, an MRI scan in North Dakota is going to cost you, we'll say $1,500. Well, guess what? It all of a sudden became cost competitive for you to buy a plane ticket, fly your butt up to North Dakota, freeze your butt off to go to a hospital there and get an MRI for $1,500. Cause your ticket from LA to North Dakota is probably going to cost like $500, $600 tops. So basically you're still coming out on top of that transaction. You spent $2,100 to get your MRI compared to six grand that would have cost you to get in your local town. But the thing is, is you can't really do that in our current medical system because hospitals are not transparent with their pricing. They do not make it readily available or easy for you to determine what procedures are going to cost. You pretty much have to go through like a quote system darn near where you have to get like an estimate on your healthcare costs and then pick based on that. And usually these estimate systems are designed, it almost seems to be as inefficient as possible to deter you from being able to readily look up the costs and actually like be a discerning consumer. So that would be potential fix number one for our healthcare system is basically just force hospitals to post their prices. If you do this, then that would allow competition to actually start happening. People for less life and death things would be able to choose where they get their service performed and how much it's going to cost. And by doing that, hospitals might eventually be forced to be more competitive because if you're charging six grand for an MRI and someone can go out of state to get it and get the same quality of MRI, well then if you want that business, you got to figure out some way to get the cost of your MRIs down, which means you either got to free up capacity or figure out some way to make your scanning process more efficient. There's all sorts of different things that, a person could do to decrease that cost, but that doesn't really start until people have the ability to discriminate basically on a basis of cost where they're going to get their medical service. So that's one quick fix would be having hospitals post their pricing. Another fix would be to another solution would be to require less stuff basically like take a look at the licensing system and chop out the fat figure out why we're having such a supply problem pretty much figure out why it's so hard to uh, get doctors actually in the industry doing stuff like Part of it is the amount of work that they have to do. Like, um, another quick Google. Come on, Google, work with me. Medical provider suicide rate. 
So guess what I'm searching right now? In the United States of America, an estimated 300 to 400 doctors kill themselves each year, a rate of 28 to 40 per 100,000, or more than double that of the general population. What the heck does that tell you? That tells you that being a doctor is not generally great for your mental health if you want to off yourself. So, what could be some of the reasons that we're seeing such a high suicide rate? Well, it doesn't take rocket scientists to figure it out. Just a medical degree, I guess. But, um, quality of life problems, work-life balance, uh, job satisfaction, um, the demanding environment, career burnout, all that stuff could be addressed by just changing the programs and changing how doctors operate and and truly by increasing the supply of doctors. You wouldn't need to have doctors pulling 80 to 90 hour weeks if you had enough doctors to cover the 80 to 90 hour weeks. So it's one of those things where basically if we lowered the bars to medical licensure, decrease the barrier to entry, basically. We could have more doctors who could provide more health care. And now what I mean here isn't necessarily where we would lower the bars to basically accept lower quality doctors and health care providers. What I'm talking about is like how I understand it is to provide certain services, you have to have a certain medical degree, basically. And the more complex or demanding the service, the more training and medical degree certification and licensing that you have to have. Well, one fix here would basically be to thoroughly assess the licensing requirements, the different services and allow the services that are absurd to require higher qualifications to be performed by people who aren't as qualified. So my shot example from last episode is a good example. Does it take a nurse practitioner to give me a shot? No. Does it take someone who's more skilled than a kindergartner? Yeah, probably. So what's the right balance? Well, that's a good question. I don't know because I don't have the data in front of me and I'm not the one who gets to make the decisions here. But I imagine that if I were the person who was getting to make the decisions, I would be able to figure out exactly what it takes to administer a vaccination to someone And then to train people who have the skills required to do that kind of stuff without requiring a whole entire massive amount of education and certification. And part of that too goes down to like making the medical field more attractive to people who would want to get into it. So that's like improving the atmosphere, improving the culture, improving how people are treated and all this stuff. But anyway, 
that solution is kind of a harder one because it requires bureaucratic overhaul, basically, for starters, and then changing the culture of the medical industry and the licensing requirements and all that stuff. And it's very unlikely that you're going to see a change in any of that at this point. Like it would take an act of God practically, I would think, because once again, medical licensing boards have power. And when people have power, they don't like to give it up. There's a reason why you usually have to kill dictators if you want to overthrow them and why George Washington was such a cool guy because he just gave up the presidency after two terms and went back to doing his own thing. Same goes for that hero of either, it was either a Greek or a Roman war. I'm not sure where, I think it was Rome. Those who don't learn history are doomed to repeat it. That's kind of concerning because I really seem to be forgetting a lot of my history here, but vaguely recall some story about a Roman farmer returning to Rome to uh, basically save the city from an invasion. And then after that, they wanted to make him the emperor or the king or something like that. And then he basically decided to go and leave and return to um, farming after he was done saving the city. And it takes a person of extremely high caliber to be handed power and then to use it to accomplish what was needed to be accomplished and then to walk away from that. Very few people have the kind of character that's required to pull that off. But we're getting off topic here. Focusing back on medical licensing boards, they currently have the power to decide the fate of doctors who are applying and trying to become doctors. And so what that means is they, I'm assuming that the people who are doing medical licensing are already doctors themselves, probably. And if they're practicing, it's very much to their advantage to keep the club exclusive. The fewer the doctors are, the lower the doctor supply is. Well, the demand for doctors is just as high, which means they get higher salaries. So it's their benefit to have as few doctors as possible. means more money for them. That is a conflict of interest if there was ever a conflict of interest. It's kind of like politicians deciding their own health care and benefits and salaries. Like, seriously? You being real right now? We're letting them decide how much they're going to pay themselves. Who came up with that idea? Someone who was clearly a moron. No offense to the founding fathers, but like, if there's an opportunity for abuse, people are going to find that opportunity. But anyway, moral of that whole entire tangent is basically that Correcting the healthcare problem through reduction of regulation and that kind of stuff is a long shot at best. Moving on, my personal favorite solution to the healthcare situation is the technological solution, where basically we use technology to drastically improve the situation and drive the healthcare costs down. So what does a doctor do usually when they see patients? Well, a bit of data entry, uh, question and answers, 
and then diagnostics. And then after diagnostics, they administer basically like services in a sense, as in like they offer to write prescriptions and might recommend courses of treatment and in rare cases they might do surgery or something like that to perform surgical procedures or set bones or whatever. I feel like IBM Watson, something to that effect would be a pretty good replacement for a lot of the stuff that doctors do. Where basically, if you're sick and you need a doctor, and now of course this is assuming that you don't have like a knife stuck in your foot or something like that. How you got a knife in your foot in the first place, we're not going to talk about. But that kind of situation requires immediately immediate medical attention. But assuming you don't have a situation that requires immediate medical attention, you could very easily basically schedule a visit with an a, a doctor AI, and that AI could basically talk to you and ask you the same questions a doctor would and then basically look at your responses to determine whether or not you need further treatment and you could incorporate some sort of scanning technology with this that would allow it like immediate diagnostics of certain ailments and you could probably incorporate blood test abilities with this sort of thing possibilities are literally endless and so that's one potential solution to the healthcare situation across the board is to adopt technology and innovate the problem away. And that's personally my favorite approach to the whole entire thing. Because if you think about it, what would be better for society when you're working with diagnostics? at least man I'm thinking about this right now just imagining how awesome it would be but um, when you're being diagnosed for a medical illness or something like that the realm of what you can be sick with is basically limited by the realm of the knowledge that the doctor you're working with has so if you have something the doctor has no idea about or worse, if you have something that's similar to something the doctor knows about, but isn't actually that thing to the point at which your doctor, your medical provider would make a false diagnosis. You're basically limit your healthcare is basically limited by the sphere of influence that your healthcare provider has the doctor who's treating you. If you had a machine that had access to the sum total of all human medical knowledge that he could cross-reference your symptoms with. And he was like competent. That's a game changer. Because you now have a situation in which you're being diagnosed by a machine would actually be better than being diagnosed by a human. Because the machine has a aggregate, some total realm of knowledge that... Um, encompasses everything that humankind knows about medicine. Whereas the doctor who you'd be working with would only know what he was exposed to, which is basically some finite subset of the sum total of human knowledge compared to the machine, which knows we'll say everything medical. 
Now, granted, doctors have the magic that makes them human, which has saved many a life. But as we get closer to AI, we get closer to a situation in which diagnostics, at least, could be offloaded. And heck, even surgery probably could to a certain extent once it gets good enough. But point here is, is that leverage technology. That's probably our best hope for driving costs and medicine down. Innovate, 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 and figure out a way to make healthcare as widespread as possible. Flood the market with supply. Demand remains relatively constant and bada bing, bada boom, lower costs. Everyone treated better health care wise. So it looks like I spent 20 minutes talking about that. So we don't have much time to fix the tax crisis. So woo, I guess. um, I kind of gave some solutions in that uh, first episode on taxes. The obvious ones that come to mind are the IRS could take it upon themselves to simplify the tax filing process. Since they already know all of your stuff. They could create a site that has their versions of your stuff. And then you could basically go onto the site, look at their versions, either protest or agree with them, and then get your tax bill from that and pay it right there on the IRS's site. That would be an elegant solution to the IRS problem that currently results in having CPAs and paper filing and all this crap. So much of the bureaucracy of the IRS can be eliminated with them just doing that. But... That aside, another solution is the legislative solution in which we got the tax code. And uh, you know what? That's actually another good question for Google. How many pages is the current U.S. tax code? Google is thinking. And of course... uh, It didn't want to give me a clean answer, but it looks like I'm seeing somewhere between 6,000 and 70,000. I'm thinking it's probably not 70,000 because that would be insane. So we're going to go with 6,000. So the U.S. federal tax code is probably about 6,000 pages right now. Who on earth has time to read through 6,000 pages about taxes? The fact that such a document even exists that 6,000 pages long generated by the federal government that's dictating how people are living their lives is absurd and a massive, massive, massive government overreach. The tax code should be able to be summarized on a single page. That would be ideal. So that would be another solution to the tax problem is basically gut the system cut it down to just the bare minimums and simplify it. Make it so easy that you can figure out your taxes in your head. If the tax system were that easy, I bet you that, well, for starters, be a hell of a lot harder for people to evade taxes. And then on top of that, it would be a heck of a lot easier to file taxes. So people will probably be more enthusiastic to pay their taxes than they currently are. It wouldn't be a 17-hour ordeal like it currently is. 
which heck, if the average person spends 17 hours on it, I'm glad it only took me eight. That makes me thankful. That makes today a little bit better. But at any rate, so our options are to IRS to simplify in the technology front and basically streamline their system in the current tax code. And then option two is to simplify the tax code by itself. Option three for a solution to the tax situation would probably be to, I'm not actually sure. I can't think of anything else that would effectively address the problem. Actually, I take that back. So right now I'm in the process of writing a book. Uh, it's going to be a fantasy book. And I don't want to give too much about the plot away. I should say writing another book. Eh, first one, that's going to be a fantasy though. But anyway, we're in the process of dealing with that right now. And one of the concepts that I briefly explored was the notion of having a self-taxing currency. So that could be another option to solve the tax problem. So instead of having like an income tax, let's say that you have a cryptocurrency that is run by the federal government. And on every transaction that's carried out in the cryptocurrency, it charges, we'll say a 5% tax. So every time someone transacts with a cryptocurrency, 5% of the transaction goes to the government. So basically, you'd set up your cryptocurrency to have a cost plus 5%. So you spend $100, well, your purchase would be $105. And $5 of that would go to the government. And so what the government would do is they would create this cryptocurrency. They would create the network for supplying it and for making it operate. And then they would basically require you to pay your taxes with this cryptocurrency. It could just be USD, United States dollar coins. That's already taken by Coinbase, I think. But you get the idea. Point here being that um, the government could set the system up to be a cryptocurrency that basically self-taxes. So every time someone transacts in the cryptocurrency they get a cut of that tax. And if you do it that way, you no longer would need any other taxes because all taxes could be done through the cryptocurrency. So let's say you get paid for work. Well, your employer has to pay you and they're basically buying your services. So they would pay your salary plus 5%. So there you go. Now you have a tax benefit from your salary. Say you want to go and spend your salary on stuff. Well, every transaction is going to be 5%. So you invest your money in stocks. Well, congratulations. Whatever money you invested, 5%. You uh, make a bunch of money in your stock investment and have to convert it back into dollars. Congratulations, 5%. 
I think that that would be the most brilliant way possible to handle the tax situation is to just eliminate all the tax code and eliminate all of the stuff and tie the taxes directly to the currency transactions, which would be tracked by a decentralized ledger, which would basically ensure that everyone has exact visibility, complete exact unhindered visibility on all of the... uh, all the transactions are going on your cryptocurrency and exactly what taxes are being paid on it. So when the IRS wants to make sure you're paying your taxes, you basically just submit a record of your transactions. Bada bing, bada boom. You have all the money you received over the year, which was taxed by the people who are being, who are paying you that money. And then you have all the money you spent over the year, which you paid the taxes on. Like I said, best possible tax system ever because you literally have to do no work anymore. Every time you're transacted in the act of creating your transaction, the tax is created. The tax is done. The tax is filed. The tax is complete. You don't have to waste any more time doing it. It happens instantaneously, automatically, every single time it happens. And... I think that that would basically be another great way to win out at the tax code solution issue. But anyway, that's about all the time we have for this episode. So I don't really know if any of these solutions would work. I like to think that they would. But um, yeah, I'm just a guy on the internet. So what do I know? Like always, thank you for listening and thank you for spending this time with me. Uh, I hope you have a great day and this is another episode of the Stop It Thing podcast.